Welcome to another episode of Strange Places. I'm your host, Tom Allen. Each episode, I sit down and chat with interesting new guests about their travel experiences, along with many other topics. Every episode has something totally new with fresh perspectives from different types of travelers. I learn a lot from hearing stories and tips from travelers who do things a little differently than I do, and I think you will too. Strange Places is brought to you by FlightsMachine.com, a service that sends you incredibly cheap airfare deals for your home airport. With deals like 315 round trip to Venice, Italy, or 280 round trip to Hawaii, you can save hundreds each time you book and use all that leftover money on the actual trip. Visit flightsmachine.com slash strange places for 50% off your first six months. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for joining us. Y'all ready for this? Oh, sorry. No, we'll use that for the intro. <laughs> okay. Uh, welcome back. I'm here with my friends Reed and James, two friends of mine that uh, we go back pretty far. We've traveled to Nepal together and a couple other places, I think. Um, I'll start off by introducing James. James is a photojournalist. He does a lot of work with outdoor companies and nonprofits. Um, James recently did a biking trip of the Baja Peninsula in Mexico. Uh, Reed is a climber and I guess all around travel extraordinaire who lives in a van currently has lived in a vehicle for six five, years. six years, six years. Okay. Um, and Reed and I have known each other for a long time, and we will recount on some of our stories and hopefully not get too out of hand here today. Uh, so, Reed, tell me about what was your last trip you went on? I just got back from Cuba like five days ago. Five days ago? Yeah, five days ago. Nice. I was only down there for eight days. It was like a recon mission for some climbing. Cool. Um, yeah, there's like really good limestone on the western end of the island that was like developed under communist rule, which is uh -huh. pretty rad. Um, it's like they used to develop at night because it was illegal for them to be developing climbing in the country. So it's got this really cool history. And then the guy from Wyoming actually like flew down hidden in the hold of a cargo ship that or a cargo plane that was coming in from Mexico. And he's kind of like the pioneer of the climbing down there. So he like developed a lot of it. Like he did that to go climb in Cuba? Yeah, like back what in like 99. Was he not satisfied with the U.S. climbing? Or? I don't know. Well, it's funny because he's like one of the head developers for Vitavu, which is like a huge destination in Wyoming. And he was just like, oh, I think I'm going to go to Cuba and see if they have climbing. And that literally was what drove him was he was like, I don't know if there's climbing there, but I should go see. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the story's pretty crazy. That is insane drive yeah. to do something like that. So it was it was really exciting to like be down there and it's still kind of like a relatively new climbing community and then like the culture is really rad. Um, so there is a community of climbers there now. There is and it's still illegal. So technically, like under the communist government of Cuba, you're not like climbing is not a recognized recreational activity. Uh -huh. um, and the police basically just like turn the other cheek because they know that it's attracting tourism. And so I mean I think eventually it'll be oh, made legal, okay. but. Um, it's just kind of like, no one asked us for money, but we've heard of like cops showing up and being like, you gotta give me some money or I'm going to take you in. <laughs> is it a property issue or is it like a fun sponge issue? It's a fun sponge issue. It's basically like, this is an activity that we are familiar with. And so therefore we're going to regulate it and it's now illegal because we don't really know why you're doing it. Were you guys just using the word fun sponge? <laughs> <laughs> you want to... Elaborate there, James. What is that? I mean, it makes sense, right? You put a sponge and it just soaks up fun. Yeah. Takes it away. Oh, okay. I mean, so, perhaps it wasn't the most uh, courteous I, way of putting it, but... I feel like Fidel Castro could be defined as a fun sponge. That yeah. seems like a good Fidel Castro term. Yeah. Or is a wet blanket better? Yeah. Ooh. Wet blanket. Uh, but things are changing pretty dramatically there. In terms of, like, people can own things now and have cell phones and access to the internet. Right. 
Cuba is changing. America is not. So therefore, we still have like tense relationships. Yeah. With well, down Obama made an attempt, now. but it right. all got rolled back recently. It, so It did. So you were there, I saw in the news, when uh, Cubans got access to like cell service. Hmm. Did you notice any difference? I'd, were they celebrating? I don't think that I ever even heard about it while I was there. You're kind of uh, disconnected, so it's not like you're like accessing the internet and figuring out what's going on. Um, well, I but no one really was like celebrating or talking about it, so <laughs> I had no idea, honestly. Yeah, Cuba was like one of the last countries to get it. I to get cell hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that. people had phones while I was there. Yeah, but you have to yeah. buy internet cards, and then they have like little. Oh, Wi-Fi you mean actual like, like just calling on the go? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. If if I recall correctly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean that seems like something they would monitor big time. Right. And even like one of the guys gave us his email address and he's like, don't email me anything political or – because he's like, I'll get my phone taken away forever. Yeah. So it's like, wow, high well, pressure. You, you were just there too and didn't – like when when you got back, didn't uh, Ryan and Annette exchange money and they put something about Cuba and Venmo flagged it? Yeah. They did the same to us. Yeah, if you try and send something on Venmo that just says Cuba in it or has the Cuban flag emoji or something, it'll yeah, it'll decline it. the transfer. Yeah, that happened to that happened to the guy I was there with. He tried to transfer some money after we got back and put like Cuba in the flag and it was just like nope, not happening. You just have to go and try again then? Yeah, you just like change what, what the reason yeah. is. <laughs> just put any other yeah. description. Yeah. Which is funny because half the stuff Half the descriptions on Venmo are just like crude, Fake. like <laughs> yeah. awful things. You know? Yeah. So I don't think I've ever been paid for what I actually was being paid for. It's always something like it's uh, actually, monkey training lessons. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty comical to think that some there's a system auditing all of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are some of the other no goes? I mean, there's got to be like a hundred thousand a day that are just blowjobs. Yeah. And certainly. like I swear, those all go through. So. I guess that's fine. But, yeah, <laughs> prostitution. <laughs> totally cool. Then those pro Cuba, jobs, no. not Cuba. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah. So some countries say like, oh, you have to have a return flight, and then they don't ask for it. And then some countries are just, don't say anything. And then if you don't have a return flight, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some so, of them are pretty strict about yeah. it. Yeah. I thought going down there was going to be a lot harder than it was. Um, like getting to Cuba is really easy. I think the the like what you have to be concerned about is coming back because the U.S. Customs can basically just be like, "Hey, you need to provide all of the receipts from everything you did, and it needs to like uh, like corroborate the reason why yeah. you went to Cuba. And if it doesn't, then like you, I don't know, like what I don't have any idea what that's, happens. That's but, what I heard, but yeah, we just walked I, right through. I didn't through. save any receipts. I didn't either. Nobody tell on me, please. Yeah. I'm listening to this. Don't use my last name in this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I know a lot of people are interested in going to Cuba right now. So I will say the visa process of um, when you fly with, I believe JetBlue is who I flew with. That's you also you who as I well. Flew with, yeah. They take care of everything. Yeah. And JetBlue is awesome. When you arrive in, in Fort Lauderdale or Orlando or wherever you land, I think it's always Fort Lauderdale. I think um, yeah. they have a desk there that's like specifically for getting your visa to Cuba and you just walk up to it and the line can take a little while, but if you have an hour layover or more, you're good. So I think um, there's direct flights from JFK too. So, and I think it's set up the exact oh, same way because we flew okay. direct from Havana to JFK when we returned and I saw the desk. Oh, okay. And it just says like it said like Cuba flights or Cuba travel, and you go there mm-hmm. and you stand in line. And we actually we landed in Fort Lauderdale at like four thirty in the morning and walked right up to the desk and got our visa within like five minutes. Yeah. So and how much easy. was that visa? Fifty bucks. Yeah, it was like it's pretty easy. Yeah. It was kind of surprisingly easy that to go there. We were nervous coming back. And I remember when I, I went, you know, you go to the little machine and it like takes a picture of you and you take your ticket up there with your passport. And I was like, this is it. Like, he's going to be like, why were you in Cuba? What were your receipts? What were you doing? Like, how did you support the Cuban people? And instead he was just like, welcome home. Yeah. And then I'm an idiot. And I went, that's it. And I went, ignore that. And I like just <laughs> went through the customs really fast because I realized that that was a really stupid question. You like, just said, you're like, just kidding. And then yeah. ran off like the exactly. hamburger. It's like, oh man. Yeah. It was that's really great. dumb. A moment of ignorance for sure. Uh, yeah, I wonder how that works because I tell you guys about the time when I was coming back from the Middle East 
and I got interrogated. At no. The, so I was in. That sounds fun. So I was yeah, I was in Jordan for an assignment, and I was supposed to go to Lebanon for an, another assignment, but that part fell through. Mm-hmm. But my return flight to the U.S. was from Lebanon, so I ended up being in Lebanon for like 24 hours. I get to my connecting flight in Germany, and some guy in like a suit comes up to me, and he's like, "Are you James?" Like what? Yeah. And on his phone is my passport photo. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm with, um, what was it like? Customs and Border Control. For Germany or the U.S.? Uh, for U.S. Interesting. Or immigration. And yeah. he's like, can we talk? And so we go and he just starts interrogating me. He's like, what have you been doing? What are you up to? Like, you know, asking me all these questions. And I was like, what's going on? And I was like, is it because I was in the Middle East? And he's like, essentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually it came out that like, going to Lebanon for 24 hours is a huge red flag. And so when I came back to the U S you know, you get your picture taken with that little slip and there's a huge X through it. I was like, Oh God, here we go. And so I had to go get interrogated again at the actual U S border, but eventually they let me go. It's just like, what kind of questions did they ask? Just like, what were you doing there? Who were you with? Why did you only go for 24 hours or, you know, those kind of questions. And they're very stoic about it. And you're trying to like play with them or like ask questions back. And they're just like, mm-mm. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't think your personality suits like serious customs very well. <laughs> just hanging out, smoking hookah in Beirut. And yeah. no problem. Yeah. What were you doing in Lebanon? I was just farting a lot. <laughs> farting, taking pictures. I don't know. Oh, man. That, that sounds intense, though. Which airport was that in? Uh, Frankfurt. Oh, okay. Frankfurt. Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah. Frankfurt, Kentucky, yeah. <laughs> Connecting um, flight. <laughs> nice. So, James, you just did a big bike tour through the Mexican uh, – or, sorry, the Baja Peninsula in mm-hmm. Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that? That was awesome. And, you know, it's funny because people ask, like, how was it? And, you know, it was incredible. But part of me is like, it wasn't quite long enough, to be honest. Like, really? Yeah, Mexico, especially Baja, was so great that, and I feel like this with a lot of bike tours, it's like, you know, you do it, but you're also like, man, you kind of got to sacrifice like some things or else you're Mm going to be there for like two years. Yeah. But no, it was great. It was great. I love Mexico. And how far did you ride? So we started in San Diego um, and went down all the way to Loreto. So like two thirds, three quarters of the way. Um, That's like 700 miles or what? Yeah, because Baja is like a thousand, isn't it? Yeah, you know, honestly, we really didn't pay attention to mileage. Mm. We were uh, not setting any records, put it that way. In fact, we even hitchhiked twice, which is kind of funny because I think a lot of bike tours are like self supported. I'm only doing this by human powered. But uh, the Baja 1000 was going on during that time. And one of the guys running the course is like, You want to ride? And we're like, Yeah. That looks awesome. And he was in the $350,000 truck that had like five foot tall suspension. What? And you rode in that? Yeah. He strapped our oh. bikes to the top and he was just like, all right, get in. And we were going like 70 or 80 over these huge potholed roads. And That's then the fuel amazing. Thing. Oh, so fun. That's crazy. That's like my one vehicle. If I, if I'm ever just ultra rich, I want one of those things. Yeah. The Baja trucks. Yeah. They're insane. so insane, but they are very expensive. He had a... He hired someone two years salary to build that for him. All custom made. Yeah. I actually get this. And his son was racing. And his son won the Baja 1000 for the first time. He's won it four times. He won it the first time when he was 15. So think about that for a second. He won like one of the world's hardest off-road races before he had his U.S. driver's license. That's insane. Yeah. It's like, what was the training like for that? Dude, those go 15 carts. year olds, and yeah. you give them some Mountain Dew Code Red and they just go. <laughs> He's been playing video games. I was yeah. say. It's all that Forza and Gran Turismo, man. That's that's insane. I'm kind yeah. of jealous you guys are steering wheel is just those. a PlayStation controller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got this. He's just sitting back with a VR headset on. Yeah, it was, uh, we checked the results after the uh, the race, and he got like 20 something. So I'm kind of wondering if something And he happened. just casually picked you guys up during this or what? So we met him at this middle of nowhere in this town. We were eating tortas and he, we were just chatting him up. Mm-hmm. Week later, Joey and I are on this gravel road that 
was gravel and pothole and just nasty for like 20 more miles. And he pulls up behind us and is like, you boys want to ride? Sure. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely. So Cool. I just really want some tortas now. Yeah. Mm. Mm. How long was that trip? Uh, Like three and a half weeks. Three and a half? Yeah. That was super fun. I think think Mexico might edge out Nepalis and the nicest people. Oh, really? Yeah. Dang. That's a statement, James. So I, I spent about a month this summer in Mexico working on a few different projects in central and northern Mexico. Mm-hmm. And then went on this Baja trip for about a month. They're just great. Yeah. They know how to party. That's awesome. So you're saying you want to go do Orizaba in May? In May? What's Orizaba? I mean, Pico de Orizaba. It's the highest point in Mexico. Third tallest in North America. What's it like 18 something? Uh, I don't know. It just looks like a good time. Yeah. It's nice. Like a nice walk. I, is it a volcano or is yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Strata cool. volcano. I think yeah there's like a teeny tiny little ice chunk that kind of makes it a glacier but it's like gone soon unfortunately yeah. but yeah i do want to go yeah i've Sweet. never been to mexico city so i know i've been looking at mexico city I, i've been hearing such good things about it yeah just like amazing food and really cool people like you're saying and um it's really high on my list but sounds like i might go to Colombia though for better paragliding there so yeah let's hear about that well i don't know much about it yet but apparently it's a really good place for for beginner paragliders because there's there's wide big wide thermals and Mm -hmm. so it's easy to like thermal and stay up for hours at a time so where is that in columbia kind of there's a big long valley that stretches from like cali to medellin and there's paragliding sites all on on either side of that big valley. Hmm. So there's like two ranges that just run all okay, the way yeah, up yeah. the country. Yeah. Um, and that's where there, there's so much paragliding in in Colombia. So I'm thinking about it. We'll we'll see. Um, Flights in and out of Bogota are like pretty cheap too. Yeah, yeah I was crazy. looking. I found some today. Round trip like four eighty, yeah, and one ways were like two thirty one to. Um, to Medellin, yeah. So, and that's even a little more than Bogota usually. So, it's like cheaper than a flight to Alaska. Yeah, and then um, flights inside of Colombia were really cheap. I I think I found a round trip from um, basically uh, Medellin down to the little town that we would be paragliding around, and it was sixty seven dollars round trip yeah, with luggage. Rough. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so yeah, we'll see though. I. I, I really want to go and visit Columbia. I've heard they're really nice as well. Yeah, so yeah. I ran into a guy that was a paraglider, and he's like, they're the nicest people. Mm-hmm. He said he went for a couple weeks and then ended up there for like six months. And oh, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I've done a few assignments down in Columbia. Oh, really? Yeah, I did a homestay, and they were just incredible. Cool. Just super friendly and fun. And I had a conversation with this one guy. You know, I was in a pretty rural area, and he comes up to me in, in Spanish. Was asking me like, "Oh, where are you from?" I was like, "The United States." And he's like, "What do you guys think of us? Cocaine, drugs?" And I was like, "Uh, you know, I think there is that you know stereotype." But having been there for a few weeks, I was like, "This is incredible. There's so much more to this yeah. country, and it's not dangerous." I didn't feel in danger once. And so, yeah, yeah, I think, I think the danger of that country gets blown out of proportion from what I've heard. Yeah, in most countries. Well, yeah. I mean, even in Mexico, people are like, aren't you worried about the cartels? And I'm like, well, I won't be engaging in drug smuggling. So no, I'm not concerned. <laughs> yeah. About they're not going to go out of their way to kill us. Or, yeah. Right. I mean, maybe you could run like cross someone's path when they're drunk, but that can happen here in the U.S. too. Like you're always yeah, at yeah. risk of some weird thing happening, but. Oh yeah. It's like my mom's like, oh, be careful, Mexico. It's like, I'm more scared of going to Chicago. Yeah, go to the then, Tenderloin in San Francisco. That place is scary. As yeah, hell, dude. in Mexico. You guys ever been to the Westerner, out West Salt? Lake? Yeah, <laughs> where they like frisk you for guns on the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a shooting every day here, and no one seems to think that's an issue. But Mexico is like some terrifying place. I, I don't yeah. think it's. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think if you're 
if you're not involved with drugs down there, I think it's or, or you know if you're living there, you have to deal with that. But as mm. a tourist, I don't think quite as much. Yeah, well, the, I mean Tijuana is a little bit of got a little taste of anarchy, but it's uh, yeah, Tijuana is a crazy place. Yeah, well, especially over the last month. So I was there. I know. Yeah, I was there when those riots broke out. Oh did, yeah, did I tell you that? We were, uh, Joey and I were crossing the border from Tijuana to San Diego. There were, you know, police in riot gear and cops in helicopters, like, hanging out the window with, like, huge guns. And we're like, something's going on. Like, this feels real funky. Damn. And by the time we got back to our car, we realized that, like, there's riots and they're throwing tear gas and all that kind of craziness. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. The migrant caravan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've got, we've got more troops on the, on the southern border right now than we do anywhere else in the world. Really? Damn. That's crazy. Yep. Now um, I got to keep those uh, women and their children in check. Yep. He also, uh, there's yeah, also crazy. been claims of like, we found 10 terrorists. 10. Yeah. A lot Which, of, a lot of weird stuff. I haven't seen any plan around either. So what, uh, what do you guys have planned this year for in terms of travel? I am oddly enough going to Cuba in February. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Nice. I'll do a photo workshop and just hang out for a little bit. Cool. What so. What's a photo workshop consist of? Uh, so it's kind of a mix. So my dad and I decided to go to Cuba together, and mm-hmm. we're both into photography. So we are hiring this local photojournalist. Um, oh, cool. Kind of a cool story, actually. So he's been photographing Cuba and its culture for decades now, but... No one really knew much about him <laughs> um, until recently, and his work is just incredible. But people in the U.S. have like been like just now discovering his work. That's so awesome. Yeah, and so yeah. we're like, hey, we want to go down there and like photograph culture, like learn from your experiences and your interactions with Cubans. And so we just hired him for a few days to show us around. Cool. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I have a friend who just did something really similar from Nashville. She was down there, like, kind of at the same time I was, but I was in the western end of the island. She was also like just going around Havana with some people and like doing some sort of like photo clinic. Cool. So must be like a thing. Nice. Reed, what about you? What you got coming up? So I leave in like three weeks, like right after the new year to go to Canada for like two and a half weeks for some ice climbing um, and skiing. And then I'll drop down from there into Montana and Colorado for like another two or three weeks also for ice climbing and skiing. Um, and that's all training for a big expedition that I've been invited on to climb Cho Oyu next October. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of trying to get as much mileage on my skis as I can because I'm going to try to ski from the summit, the yeah. 8,000 meter summit. Um, so that's kind of like the biggest trip. Wait, you're going to ski from Cho'oyu? I'm hoping okay. to. Yeah. Um, for those not aware, Cho'oyu is a peak in the Himalayas in Nepal. Yeah, six uh, tallest Very large one, yeah. I think it's 26,200 feet. Going to go out for a rip on that guy. <laughs> for a It'll be a lot of, uh, a lot of side sliding. Yeah. Right yeah. I'm just going to pizza my way down. Survival skiing. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so really psyched about that, doing a lot of kind of everything right I'm doing right now is training around centered around that um and then I'm hoping to do a trip in may it's my twenty ninth birthday, which is kind of like one last big trip nice so what, what one last big trip what do you oh so I'm Reed's thinking, not gonna stop yeah. traveling <laughs> I think, yeah, which reminds me uh we just heard news that you're moving out of your van yeah that's true i did i did kind of drop that bomb before we started yeah so you're moving into an actual house yeah so it's been six years since i've paid rent or lived in a house uh for three years i lived in my ford f-150 and then the last three years i've been in my sprinter um so wait when i met you i think we we met in jackson right at the uh at the stagecoach yeah, oh, the rage coach, as the many rage people coach. Call the rage it. coach. And uh, you were living in like a Mazda. Yeah, uh, what it's like it's a, a mid-engine Mazda car, MX3, right? a little yeah. hatchback, and yeah, I summered in that in college. So I'd I'd work for like a month out of the summers, and then have just enough money to like 
dirtbag my way through the summers. Yeah. Did a lot of uh, eating free continental breakfast in hotels by acting like a patron mm-hmm. back then. Uh, oh, man, that <laughs> was a fun trick. night. <laughs> yeah, Holy so that was, yeah, that was when we first met. And, uh, so, yeah, I've spent a lot of time living out of my car over the last decade. But, uh, yeah, I have decided that I want to go back to school. And in order to do so, I uh, I have to have a permanent address here in Salt Lake mm-hmm. for at least a year and a half to be able to get in-state tuition at the University of Utah. Oh, so I've cool. been talking to an admissions counselor kind of just quietly over the last month or so. And it looks like I have the resume to be able to apply and be accepted for a master's in public administration. Mm, nice. So I'm going to... juicy details, Reed. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So, I didn't even know these. Yeah, I kind of just kept to myself. But so I'm going to pursue that. Uh, the idea would be that after getting another degree, I'd be able to either one, manage a nonprofit organization, which I I founded one last year, but I, it's been really hard to kind of run by mm-hmm. myself from the van. So it's not hasn't really gone very far. And then also, like, I have, a, like, a mild uh, interest in politics or potentially, like, foreign policy or uh, foreign diplomat work. Cool. So I think that in order for me to start facilitating that, like, next thing, I need to not be living in a van full time. Um, yeah. So I think in April I'm going to move into a house here in South Salt Lake and then sell the van, like, a month or two after that. So my idea was that like all of May I'd do like one last big trip in my van. So contemplating either going up to the Bugaboos in Canada to climb up there or head down to Orizaba and just drive the entire length of Mexico and back. It's like my last hurrah on the road. I think I'll end up living in a car on the road for like years to come, but I need to go through school again and then maybe yeah. return back to it. But cool. So yeah, I'm gonna sell the van and get a Toyota Tundra, I think. And nice. Keep traveling in that. So when are you planning to do Cho Oyu? Choyu is October 2019. Oh, okay. Yep. Nice. And then the spring after that, spring of 2020, I've got a big expedition in the works to do a first ascension trip in Baffin Island. Mm -hmm. And it would be the first ever human-powered first ascension trip. Oh, Baffin Island. That's where that, what is it, Thor's Ridge or whatever? Yeah, Thor Peak. Thor Peak. That thing is amazing. Mount Asgard. Those are all like really incredible summit or peaks up there. So. Baffin Island is the largest concentration of unclimbed peaks in the world. And it's been like my biggest dream in climbing. So yeah. I've been planning this trip to fat bike across the pack ice, like a hundred miles into a fjord that's like not, hasn't been climbed yet. And then yeah. climb out of like set up base camp in the fjord and climb like four new summits out of the fjord. Damn. Are um, there polar bears there? Yeah. Lots of so polar you got to get that electric fence thing to put around. So your... it's not an electric fence. It's just an alarm fence. So it, it just trips scares and them. sets off a loud noise, wakes everybody up in camp and then hopefully scares the bear away, like startles yeah. them enough that they don't want to come back. Um, or just enrages them and they tear <laughs> all yeah. of you to pieces. Yeah, either or. You know, take yeah. chances. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's... That's the spring of 2020, and I think that would be like the apex of my climbing career, and I'm hoping that then I'll feel somewhat satiated and settle down to go to school the fall of 2020. Okay. Either that or I'll I'll bail on all of the shit I'm saying right now and then keep doing it. Who knows? Yeah, Yeah. we'll see. We'll see. That sounds awesome, though. Baffin Island will be incredible. you got to take a little like bush plane in there, don't you? So you fly into, I can't pronounce it, Ilakuit. Um, on a on like an actual plane, mm-hmm. and then from there we'll take a small plane across to the other side of the island to the eastern side of Baffin mm-hmm. Island, and then that's where we'll basically just ride out of the village on fat bikes directly onto the pack ice, and then we'll ride across the pack ice into the fjord. Um, Damn. So I have like this whole awesome. aerial map out, like mapped out um, of like where this fjord is, and there's. Like, no documentation of any climbing in that. So I'm going to actually – I'm supposed to be meeting with a few other climbers that have done a lot of stuff up there. And they're going to, like, help me confirm that, like, there's hasn't been any, like, climbing in that valley. So Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, the biggest trip of my life. I think I've been talking to James about it for, like, two years now. <laughs> Rad. So. That's awesome. You, you two have done some pretty epic trips as well. I know to Peru, and I mistakenly said that you – we're on Aconcagua, which, which is, is in, in Argentina. Chile. It's in Chile. <laughs> oh, it's in Chile. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you guys did Huascaron, Huascaran. Right? Huascaran. Huascaran Sur. Okay. So the southern summit of Huascaran. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, how was that? 
Tell us about it. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where to begin with this one. Yeah. It was a uh, doozy of a summer. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this was like the pinnacle, like kind of, for me, it was like going to be the, probably the last peak we were climbing. Because we were in Peru for two months. Two mm-hmm. months. Just in climbing and what I was. Cordillera, right? Cordillera Blanca. Cordillera Blanca. And uh, we were supposed to go up another one, Chopicauqui. Chopicauqui. Yeah. yeah. And we were, we were talking to some guys and they're like, oh, yeah, there's, you know, there's Bergstrand. You can't can't get across it. You can get close, but you can't summit. Mm-hmm. And right now we're kind of just like, let's just go for the big one. Let's Didn't just someone tell it. us that there was like a guy that tried to run and jump across the crevasse and oh, like yeah. fell and broke his leg or something like that? Yeah, I think that is true. Sounds like a try hard. Yeah, yeah. it's like, geez, man, it's not vertical limit. Yeah, yeah. doesn't work like that. <laughs> uh, the movie's not real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just send it with two ice axes <laughs> in your hands. <laughs> I hope that, I hope the rope was like tied around his waist or something. He's like, saw this in a movie. Yeah, tied around his waist. <laughs> <laughs> Just squeezes his gut works. in half. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was kind of funny because wasn't it like literally the day before we were like, well, if we can't get up there, I guess we could just go to Oscadonsur, which is the tallest summit in the range and in Peru, mm-hmm. isn't it the fifth tallest summit in the Americas? Third? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Yeah, so it was just kind of like a silly commitment to just be like, yeah, let's just go do it. Um, uh, yeah, but there's like so many stories that came out of that. Like, for one. Like the guidebook's like, yeah, it's just, you know, usually just like a steep hike up there. And then I think we had heard like, oh, that, you know, there might be a technical section or something. And so we brought like moderately technical tools, but nothing crazy. Right. Just like a pencil Sumtech or something. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't like we're at high camp. And like this guy comes down who's summoned. He's like, oh, it's full on up there. Like, you better hope you're ready. Like, what do you mean it's full on? He's like, you know, it's like on all fours, climbing vertical. And we're like, huh, that's not what we're prepared for. But all right, let's check it out. And if it gets too spicy, we'll turn around. And sure enough, the next day, you know, like 2 a.m., we're on all fours just being like, Reed, can you put some protection in? <laughs> Reed? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I can't right now. Yeah. I think it was, it was weird conditions, too. There was like... I mean, I should I should preface this by saying it was a shitload of fun. Yeah. It was such a good pitch of climbing, still one of the best of my life. But, yeah, I mean, you're at, like, 21,000 feet, and all of a sudden it just went from, like, a fun kind of, like, styrofoam-style nev snow. You're just kind of, like, choked up on your tools and kind of just crawling like a bear crawl up the slope. And then it just turned vertical. It's pitch black out. You know, you know, up, up above twenty one thousand feet, it turned to like alpine ice, which is kind of like this weird, crusty ice that was like maybe two inches thick that kind of forms over snow. So sometimes you like go to swing and you punch through it, so that your cool. tools not like your tools not really like getting much. So you're just kind of like shit. Keep in mind our tools were not made for vertical climbing. Yeah. We weren't, we didn't bring tools for vertical climbing. We just brought like, we kind of just thought we were going for a hike <laughs> yeah. for a long time. And so, yeah, we, I ended up all of a sudden I'm in like a, Full I think most people section. listening are probably picturing you guys had like yak tracks. And, <laughs> yeah. But that's not the case. You guys had like legit yeah. mountaineering gear. We were actually not... just using hatchets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, it was like basically we had long axes that aren't really designed for swinging. <clears throat> um, I had a single short axe and then one long axe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think James had a straight axe. Yeah, I had a my at least my Holy long axe hell. had a bent shaft. So you had a straight axe and a single technical tool, mm-hmm. and uh, all of a sudden we're climbing vertical ice with no pro, and we were we were simul climbing. So it wasn't like James was belaying me; he's just tied to the other end of my rope, and there's no protection between the two of us. <laughs> yeah, aka if one of us fell, we're both falling. Yeah, and it just like there wasn't it it wasn't a spot where it was safe for either one of us to spend any time to try to place protection. And so I recognized that I was getting into like really technical terrain. And I think as far as like vertical climbing goes, I I'm a little more comfortable with it than James is having been a climber for like 13 years. So I was like, okay, well I need to get to a spot where I can protect James when he gets here, but I can't safely stop right now in this section and try to place Mm -hmm. pro Uh, just because it wasn't, it wasn't good snow conditions to even have anything that would do us any good and it would just be more dangerous for me to stop on unconsolidated like chunky ice snow yeah and so right as james 
like calls out from below, like, can you put in some pro? I had just gotten to a shelf and I just said, yeah, give me a minute. And I like stomped out a shelf and hammered in a picket, which is basically just like a long fluted snow stake mm-hmm. and belayed him up to that little shelf where I was at. And that was kind of the end of the spicy part. It was like a little bit more, but it mellowed out after that. Yeah. Well, no, I, I remember getting to the top and being like, whoa, yeah, that was something else. And then the screaming barfy set in. A what and now? Screaming barfies. It's yeah. When like your hands are so cold because the blood leaves your hands. Yeah. That when it returns, you want to scream and barf at the same time. It's so painful. Oh, which sometimes wow. happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I'm up there, and Reed's like, "You want to get going?" I was like, "No." And I just started screaming and like moaning and rocking back and forth <laughs> I for like about that. what was that hell. like five or ten minutes? Yeah. You and had then it for you a were while. like being the good mountaineering partner. You're like, "Hey, man! Like, if you're not feeling it, like." We can go back down. And I was like, I don't know. I just went through screaming Barbies. We're going to the top. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like cause once it, the blood comes back, yeah. you're good to go. But it's, it's never just, fun. Oh. I've gotten them several times too. It like pisses me off to the point where I'm like, we're going to the damn top now. Yeah. Now yeah. It turned out great. Over. It was like some of the most like beautiful, like 500 feet of climbing I've ever done yeah. in my life. Just watching the sunrise from 21,000 to 22,000 feet on Holy like this hell. beautiful pitch of snow and ice, like looking down like vertical and like, you can see the lights still on in the Valley down below. And it's like, you know, Cordillera Blanca is super arid. So there's no snow till like what? 14, 15,000. Was it clear skies? Yeah. Clear sky morning mm, weather. Oh God. It was incredible. I got to so. see a photo of that. I, yeah. Um, did you guys have a camera up there? I think yeah, I have a course. short video. Like not too cool. long after we pulled out of that crux section. Man, but that is incredible. Did you, your, Tom, did you just ask about a camera? <laughs> yeah, you had a camera with you. Oh yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, it's Jim Bob always. <laughs> yeah, I think many people would not bring a camera because wow. it's just a little bit of extra weight. Well, yeah, our was... joke was that we were training for the old alpinism. Yeah. I brought a novel up there. I had a novel at twenty thousand foot high yeah. camp. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. did, I mean. Should we go into the broccoli water or the, the, <laughs> like, I, the quinoa that made I, me sick? Or I what? made someone drink broccoli water not too long ago just because I knew how awful it was. Like we oh. we like boiled some broccoli and I was like, you should drink that. It tastes really good. No, no, that's not. Oh, for that, yeah. yeah. The the long and short of this one is when you're up that high, you have to melt snow to get water. Mm-hmm. And so we were conserving gas, and so Reed was steaming up some broccoli for dinner. And we're like, well, let's just not throw out this water. So we put it in our water bladders and water bottles, and it just made me want to vomit the whole time. Oh, so yeah. nasty. And you're just like cruxing and <clears throat> tired, and you go to take a sip of water, and you're like, God, I forgot about the <laughs> broccoli. so much worse. <laughs> oh, man. That's the worst thing, too. Like when I was backpacking in the Wind, in the wind River range, um, I like pumped water out of the stream and get the moss flavor oh, from yeah. it. Yeah. I despise that flavor. I don't know what it is, but moss is so disgusting. Yeah. And it, it'll just ruin your, your water for the whole trip. Like the much. real musty flavor? Yeah. It's just cool. this yeah. like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's moss. Yeah, you it's just <laughs> have to eat a handful of moss to know what it tastes <laughs> like, I guess. Yeah. We sucked on broccoli water like the rest all the way back down the next day even. We need to talk about Nepal yeah, because we've all traveled there together. And I think that's a place that interests a lot of people. Rightfully um, so. You guys, how many times have you been to Nepal, James? I've only been there twice, but I spent about Two times. four months there. Okay. In total. And Reed, are you just once or? Just once this okay. uh, same time I went with you guys. So month and a month and a half-ish. Nice. Yeah. So we took a trip out there with how many of? Of us were there, like six? Six. Seven? It was me. Seven with Freya. Yeah. Six plus Freya. (laughs) Um, That's not funny. And yeah, we we backpacked through the um, Annapurna range together, and it was really awesome. Um, That trip was was pretty hilarious. Nepal is is just amazing. I, I don't even know what to say about it. There's just like so many good stories and ridiculous times on that trip yeah i mean basically it's exactly how you would imagine six american men to travel through nepal together yeah doing blue darts in the in the <laughs> light or farts guest on the houses guest houses oh man being the loudest people on the Coover trail. did the biggest 
most <laughs> ridiculous blue dart I've ever seen. And we, the three of us, like, went into a fit of laughter that was, like... It hurt. I almost vomited. Yeah. I was laughing I, so hard. I remember that. And I remember walking in, and the, all three of you were just giggling. And I was like, what are you guys laughing about? And you're like, Cooper just lit the biggest blue dart I've ever seen. And I was just yeah. like, I'm going back down to the big restaurant. I have photos of it, too. <laughs> of of that? Not, you know, not the blue dart, okay. but of that... I was going to say, we series. need to call Guinness, man. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I guess to explain the um, what the trekking is like there, you pretty much take off from one of the towns. You get to um, take a bus or something up to uh, – what's what's the name of the town that we started at? We we took a – we ended up taking a Jeep a Yeah, we took higher, a Jeep right? up to like Baca – yeah, like, uh, some something like that. Some village I up totally in this canyon. Yeah. But then you you trek for like two weeks and go through this mountain range. We we went to Talicho Tal, which is like a side hike that lasts about three days, which um, which is labeled as the world's highest lake, which is well false. It's labeled as the is world's really largest false? highest lake. So they put two oh modifiers largest on it. highest lake. They put two modifiers on it so that they could just be like, well, oh yeah. So if you read the sign, it says world's highest, There's largest so lake. much of that bullshit in the yeah. world. Just- like, when we were up there, we like looked up and there was like 30 other lakes that are all taller than that. But Dude, they, weren't just- t- they weren't bigger than this one. So it's just like, well, you can't like double moniker yeah. yourself. Those, those, those maps are like <laughs> wrong in many, in many ways. Yeah. Though. Like, I, every I, time I see one of those stats while I'm traveling, I just completely... Ignore disregard it, it now mm-hmm. and i should have known better with talicho tal right but um that's not to take away from it though because it it's an amazing cool. place yeah. and it is at eighteen thousand feet and it's a huge huge lake or it's like seventeen five or something right i don't high enough i don't even yeah. think i don't think it gets out of 16 to be honest oh really okay yeah. um well yeah i thought it was yeah so i guess maybe it's at like i think it's like sixteen four thousand meters and then Thorn Law is what seventeen and a half or something. Like seventeen that? Yeah. eight. Okay, yeah, that's right. Because we hiked two hundred feet up to go up to eighteen thousand. Yeah, yeah. Just for the giggles of it. I thought there were similar heights, but I there are. I mean, a thousand feet. It's not too yeah, much, true. Not too all far right. off, but but yeah. And then hiking through that area, basically, you can travel with as big of a group as you want. There's tons of guest houses where you can stay with the Nepalis that live up in those areas and they've kind of converted their villages into these like trekker retreats where you, they have huge bunk houses in a lot of them. It depends. Some of them are huge, like the the ones that, yeah, that are, you know, five stories tall, um, which terrify me because if there's an earthquake, whole thing's going down. It should be noted that we got really lucky because we were, well, okay, that's kind of mean to say, but we were there the year, like right after the earthquake, like the first season oh, after yeah. the earthquake, and so we had like maybe <clears throat> twenty to thirty percent of like the actual, like the normal tourism level that yeah. year. It um, was also one year after the group of like fifty people died on Thurong Law. Oh, right, that's right. Or so, how many? I think it was like thirty to fifty people. Yeah, they got hit by a blizzard. So the the crux of the hike is going from. Thorong High Camp over Thorong La, which is a very high pass, 18,000 feet, and then all the way down to uh, Muktanath, yeah, to the Bob Marley Hotel, Bob Marley which Hotel is an amazing, amazing place. Yeah. I spent a lot of money on steaks there. Best food on the trek, for sure. Because the guy, yeah, the guy cooks all organically. I we also that. met a murderer there. Yeah, how? <laughs> <laughs> that's oh man that guy's I'll, a story i'll never forget that guy he scared the piss out of me he was just a terrifying guy for that yeah it was the guy that had like the murderous smile like every time that he would say a joke it looked like he literally just killed someone and he enjoyed was... it entirely too much <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember that guy no oh, okay the um, german guy i just no, i met him from and, austin texas yeah he was from austin and was like this weird dude and i was just like smoking cigarettes and talking to him and um, he was a, yeah, just like Reed said, interesting guy, but yeah, we had come a year after and there was even like, um, one of the parents of, of a girl who, who had oh, died in the right. blizzard I remember that. was with us. 
Yeah, you can um, still not, see their not clothes down with in us, the. But... You can still see their clothes and stuff like down in yeah, the valley. Yeah, all their backpacks and stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we. <clears throat> that being said, like I've heard horror stories of other people doing the Annapurna circuit, and they like hike into it the next village, and there's no vacancies. Yeah. They have to turn around and hike all the way back. No. <clears throat> yeah. I had a, a Bonnie was just there. And she said that there was like a couple of people that they had met who like didn't like didn't sort it out beforehand and had to turn around and go back. So she was saying that like when they were there, they would have to like tell their uh, like whoever they were staying with, like we need a place in Muktanath, and they would be like, okay, well we'll you know you have to go to this place and we'll tell them that you're coming and what your name is. And mm-hmm. So that was how they would have to reserve. Are you s- because otherwise, because we were there and there was like, remember when we all went to the town right before Thoranglaw, um, like before you start making your way up to like the summit yeah, camp? Throng, throng Petty. Yeah, something like that. And we all got in there and like we had to all stay in different places. Remember that? Yeah. And there we was that stay, Korean like, girl that was taking a piano to the summit. <laughs> Is that right. the same trip? Yep. Yep. That's right. She had a grand piano that they yeah, were like they tracking were, up there with. They were doing porters. some concert, yeah. Yeah, it was going to be the highest piano concert in the world, yep. and she was just some rich girl from wow. Korea. But yeah, we all we had to stay at three. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what? Like, wow, cool. I don't know. I had to put more monikers on it though. It has to be like the <clears throat> highest wooden piano concert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> highest grand piano concert. Yeah. But yeah, we had to stay at like three different places because there wasn't enough vacancy for all of us up there in like one place. And that happens regularly during like the peak of tourist mm-hmm. season when there's not it's not like immediately after an earthquake and immediately after thirty tourist deaths. So like we basically like benefited from the demise of like tons of people by not having like, yeah. high tourism levels because that the Annapurna Circuit can be like really packed. I've seen like horror photos of like nose to butt going up Thoring Law and like no way to pass or anything like that. Crazy. So. Oh. Well, I've gotten lucky two times then. Yeah. I've well, I think done the f- it Ryan told me you guys went and, early the first time, I think. Yeah, we we were doing it in, I don't know, September, October. It was yeah, I guess pretty, it is. pretty high season. Yeah, it's like right around the same time. Huh. But it's, yeah, it's a terrible trek. Don't go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did part it's of it. It's actually in India. In, uh, yeah. <laughs> I did part of it in July, and that was actually truly awful. Because it was raining the whole time in the monsoon. Yeah. And they have these little leeches that fall off the trees oh, and just yeah. like start sucking you and you're just bleeding everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's cloudy so you can't really see the peaks. But it wasn't crowded. Sounds great. So Yeah. It wasn't crowded. Nice. Things we do to get away from people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, leeches really keep them, keep them away. Yeah. Uh, I will say, though, I think... I was thinking about this on the way over. I think that trip was so incredible because I think... You had the option to get Wi-Fi if you wanted to pay for it. But other than that, like, I don't recall any of us really being on our phones or, like, on the Internet too much. I feel like we were all, like, very present for at least three, four weeks together. I think that was, like, incredible. Playing card games and drinking games. So much Kabu. Oh, yeah. And quarters with – I have videos of us playing quarters with Santos. Santos loved quarters. Yeah. But I I really think that that's, like – kind of like the point of that whole trip yeah. was like yeah. we were not distracted it is a nice feature you will not get internet access well, i don't there. know it might no change. you can you can get internet now that's that's bullshit yeah but i think if you are going to do it turn your damn phone off yeah yeah you don't need internet up there there's no 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 there's no point i mean yeah a lot of people want to be Posting to Instagram and stuff, but just see that when you get home. Or, you don't always have to insta you know. tweet your face, Graham. Take photos yeah. and then post them later. I don't know. Yeah, and I'm like good luck doing so from Nepal. Yeah, or at least uploading large amounts of files was a nightmare there. I actually worked from Pokhara while I was there, which was challenging. That's so, right. I think I remember that. Yeah, but yeah, I don't I mean, recommend it as a remote work location necessarily. That that trip is great though. Like. The ABC by itself is a good track. The, oh, man. The Annapurna Circuit <clears throat> is a great track. Well, we just need to like get into some story time here because, I mean, we could tell the story of uh... – oh, let's see. That was just me and Ryan with Wangna. 
the nice. the Chinese lady that like fell in love with me and said she was going to leave her husband. <laughs> I, do, I do remember. I did that not story. hear this. You, you haven't heard this no, story. That's oh a great my God. story. Yeah, she was like traveling with this guy Matt uh, Matt Catapano or something. I th- I'm still friends with him on Facebook. He's a hilarious, awesome dude. Um, he had Wang Na with him, and he was like, "You guys should help her get back to Pokhara." And so we're like, "Yeah, sure." And so she came with us and uh, she got weirder and weirder during the trip and um, started commenting on how she wanted to dye her hair the same color as mine. And uh, we were like, okay. (laughs) And then in Pokhara, she like straight up stalked me and um, would appear like while I was – we'd go out drinking to like Blues Bar in Pokhara, which is an amazing place. And uh, on our way home – this is kind of the you know short version of this story, but on our way home, dark in the middle of the night when everything's closed in Pokhara, mm-hmm. she pops up like after I've already you know kind of avoided her a couple times because uh, she was telling me she loved me and stuff. She pops out and like grabs me and just tells me that she wants to be with me and all this stuff. And she's married, like she like ran away from her uh, her house and. Beijing, I think, and took a train out to Tibet and ended up in Nepal with no, no, like, you know, outdoor gear or anything. And, uh, she kissed me, like, just like grabbed me and she just like grabbed me and kissed me and told me that like she wanted to, and I was like, you, you need to go home and, you know, divorce your husband (laughs) as a start, you know, and (laughs) step step one. Yeah. I was like, you I'm not ready ready for this one. So um it was it was hilarious. And I think she was like ten years older than me too. That's hilarious. It was really weird. But it was Well Tom, you yeah, said you meet some interesting <laughs> thing uh, interesting people on those tracks. I'd marry you, Tom. Would you? Yeah. Probably and, kiss you though. Yeah. For people listening in real life, I'm a I'm a very dreamy, handsome man. <laughs> <laughs> his hair is uh, okay, his hair is stark white. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Nepal was full of hilarious stuff. I'm trying to think of like... I mean... Santos Santos, is just a character. So Santos was our our guide through the Himalayas. Ryan and I, Reed's older brother, went to Nepal on a first trip. We met up with Santos and then became friends with him because he was like our guide. And then we're like, this guy's nuts. We should be friends with him. And uh, Santos came with us on the second trek, not because we needed him there, but just because we wanted him there. So we um, we had him come along and he was – yeah, everyone loved him. And so now we're all buddies with him. Yeah, so he, he actually taught me a bit of Nepali, which uh, one of the first things he taught me was Gorani Horu Kahata, which is where are the white women? <laughs> <laughs> which apparently <laughs> – he felt like we should know. <laughs> Where are all the white women at? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Which actually is funny because I went to uh, – I go to this restaurant here in Salt Lake called Kathmandu and the, the people uh, speak Nepali. And I said like, oh, like mo gorho, which is like I'm a white person. And then I pointed to my girlfriend like um, gorni. And they just kind of looked like deadpan like, uh – I was like, "What? What's wrong with that?" And they're like, "That's um, that's something like our grandparents would say, but not anymore." So apparently, that's like a really offensive way to oh, really? call white people. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, or women? Is it a term for white so, people or so, for women? So male is goro, and then women is gorni. Oh, okay. So both are like, I think, not some, cool. Yeah, some kind of uh, racist overtones, mm. but. Interesting. Yeah. So that was one of the first things I learned. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Santos. Which I think is a reflection Santos. of Tim. Dude, he's hilarious. Yeah. He's still like, I'll write away get a Facebook message from him. It's like, happiest of birthdays, Reed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. Thanks, he's always on top. He like of wishes it. me ha- happy Nepali New Year. He's mm-hmm. like, happy Nepali New Year. It's 2069. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like 70 years. Ahead. ahead of ours, yeah, I think. something like that. Yeah, I think it's like 2073 there or something right. like that. That's funny. So yeah, there's different year in the Nepali calendar. Mm-hmm. I had 
I remember that trip was kind of crazy because while we were there is when India enacted the trade embargo on fuel. Oh, yeah. And so when we came out of the Annapurna circuit, like all of a sudden there was maybe 10% of the normal public transportation. Mm-hmm. There were like week-long lines for like locals to fill up their fuel the to worst. cook. Um, and I remember I, I ended up like taking off from you guys and going out climbing with the Canadians <clears throat> that we met on the trip. Um, oh, yeah. Canyon in May. Yeah. And so we went back to Kathmandu, and then there's some limestone climbing south of Kathmandu uh, in a little, little like, Buddhist village called Farping. So we, like, rode out um, out there on public transportation, but because there was such a small amount of transportation, every bus and, like, every collectivo was, like, jam-packed full of people. So we were riding on the tops of buses, like, dodging mm-hmm. power lines and tree branches, and it was crazy because... The Nepali were really embarrassed by it. So like when I would chat with the people on the roofs, they were just like, well, this is because we have a corrupt government and like we don't want to ride on the tops of buses. Mm-hmm. And um, they were like really protective of us. Like they would see a branch and they'd be like, get down and like cover us and stuff like that. Because yeah. the last thing they wanted was for one of us to get hurt and like have a negative outlook on Nepal. It was kind of kind of a crazy political climate to be, be there in um, and to be like, enjoying kind of made me feel really bad to be like this is crazy this is a cool story but in reality like they have to live there every day and experience that every day i I think traveling to nepal was probably the biggest perspective change i received in traveling and recognizing that like my travel shouldn't be like a consumptive like i shouldn't be there to consume experiences Mm -hmm. solely for my own benefit but to like recognize that that's the way that people have to live so I think that that was probably what I learned most in, in Nepal was just from that like short little bus ride of having to like jump off and get on different buses. Um, so I'd be interested to go back now and see mm. what the contrast is because I mean, I imagine that they've kind of sorted out the public transportation. So it's probably not the same experience. Yeah. So that, I, I love riding on top of the buses though. I know it's, exciting. it's so fun. It is exciting, yeah. but like they don't want to do that on their Yeah. I mean, for us, day. it's a novelty, but if you were like actually commuting to work and doing that, it would not be fun. Right. Well, so that situation was kind of like a, he said, she said with India, but it got resolved. Okay guys. Well, we're just over the one hour mark. So I think I'm going to wrap this one up, but Thanks for coming on the show, you guys. It's been really us. good. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll have to have you guys on another time, and we'll we'll drink some beers or something and Keep tell some more stories. stories. Yeah, yeah. Talk that. about our uh, our bowel movements or something. Yeah, we'll have <laughs> plenty, of, we'll have plenty of poop stories. Oh man, it as is. as crude as it is, diarrhea stories are just a part of travel yeah. that you're just gonna have to realize. Like, <laughs> I, and I. Then the, this could actually be applied to a lot of things, but that is an unfortunate side effect of traveling. And I think a key to enjoying traveling is like taking those hardships and just learning to laugh at them. And so laughing at poop yeah. and diarrhea and like unfortunate uh, bowel experiences, I think is a very good lesson to learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I shit my pants in Cag Benny in Nepal. Oh, in Cag Benny. Mm-hmm. Nice. Was it the, uh, what was the drink they made there that was like Roxy, Roxy. and oh, yeah. hot chocolate or something? It was horrendous. It was, yeah, I don't. I was sick oh, it was, that whole. It night. was toasted puffed rice and Roxy and hot chocolate or something, oh, and it was God. so bad. Oh man. Anyway, yeah, more could, stories for next time. That could yeah. derail real quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, everyone out there, thanks for uh, listening to this episode, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Later. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Strange Places. If you like the show, please take a moment to leave us a good review or share this episode on social media or just tell your friends about it in real life. Imagine that. Each good review or share really does go a long way, so thanks in advance. You can also subscribe to get more episodes. Just search for Strange Places wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love to travel, you should check out flightsmachine.com, where you can get alerts when flight prices drop at your home airport. Each week, you'll get alerts for huge drops in airfare to destinations in the U.S. and all over the world. 
Join for free or visit flightsmachine.com slash strange places for 50% off your first six months of all access membership. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.